Hello, hello. Welcome back to Quest Markers. My name is Marina. My pronouns are she, her, and I am so excited for today's episode. Nier Automata is my favorite game, and today we're talking about its prequel, Nier Replicant. I am thrilled to have the guest that we have on today because he played the original Nier game back when it first came out over a decade ago. Major spoiler warning for this one, we talk about the entirety of Nier Replicant and Nier Automata, and we get pretty philosophical as things go with the Yoko Taro game. So I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Again, really excited to be talking with Mr. Zach Parkerson about Near Replicant today. Zach, very excited to have you. Could you please give us a little intro on yourself? Oh, sure. First of all, thanks for having me on because uh, I think Quest Markers is a brilliant podcast. And I've been describing it as it's it's the video game conversations I wish I would, had been having my whole life. Like I wish I had friends that discussed uh, video games like the way you guys do here. That is very kind. That is yeah. very, very kind. Thank you. <laughs> as for me, uh, yeah, I've, I've been a video game podcaster for many years at The Gaming Outsider. You know, I, and, and speaking to Nier, I've been a fan since uh, the original Papa Nier days. Yes. Uh, you know, it's a total hipster moment. You know, I, I liked it Hell before yes. it was cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been into video games my entire life. Uh, my grandpa was a huge gamer, like back in the Atari. Oh, yes. Oh, he, that's so cool. He, he did this thing uh, that I just, I just love to talk about because I think it's so cool. I'm going to steal it where he would make me and my brothers play all of his favorite games on a system before he would upgrade us to the next one. So I have a pretty, I love that. you know, pretty storied knowledge of video games because he would he would make sure we play all the NES hits before he would let us touch his Super Nintendo. Oh, wow. Cool. That is really cool. Yeah, he's he's a he's a mad lad, as they would say. No, that is awesome. I mean, so you you know, your gaming history then. That is awesome. It, it, in theory, anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> well, sounds like more in practice. But before we get into it, um, for for anyone and everyone listening, do check out the Gaming Outsider. I, I Zach, I just described it to you as sitting down with a group of friends and being privy to uh, a conversation with good friends, and I like having it in the background uh, a fair bit. So, would highly recommend it to everyone. We're so listening. we're so complimentary towards each other. Yeah. <laughs> Got to start off on a positive note. No, but right. genuinely really, really excited to have you. I started this thing on the very first episode and now it's just become a little cheesy thing that I ask everyone. But are you staying hydrated? What are you drinking? Of course. Yeah. Well, I'm, I am a big fan of water. I feel like I'm making it for lost time because I don't think I started drinking water till I was like 24. <laughs> so, so now I drink Amazing. a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I don't know how we survived our childhood. Yeah. My mom just didn't. She would just throw us a Sprite. That, that was water. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I had uh, as your uh, coffee drinker, I'm an espresso fan. So, you know, I, yes. I like to start my days with espresso. This morning I had a Dr. Pepper as well. I guess I was just feeling I was feeling it. So yeah. but water is definitely my drug of choice. I love it. I got some water too. I do have a coffee because we're in vastly different time zones. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's funny is is our shifts have actually aligned us. To, like this is also right. my morning. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, what are some of your favorite games or favorite game series? Well, of course, obviously, we share near in common. Absolutely, I'm a big, a big fan. I got my my entire right forearm is a big old near tattoo. Yes, for instance, yeah. Got a big. Uh, there's a near shelf in my apartment, so yeah, I'm yes. all I'm all about near. <laughs> but yes. uh, but I also love you know like Final Fantasy Nine is one of my favorites. Mm. Uh, the Red Dead Redemption series is up there. Uh, Dead Space. I'm a big fan of Prince of Persia. I always loved mm. dearly. The original. The well, all all eras really. I don't think mm. I've. They haven't really made 
the the worst they've ever gotten is just okay with like the the forgotten sands. Mm. Not that they not that Ubisoft remembers that they make any first person games, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, it's unfortunate, but yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just I feel like I love a lot of games. I feel like it's a generic, like a weird answer, but there's just so much. There's just so much great stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and I think maybe not to get too philosophical, but the medium of games is so vastly different than anything else because you get to partake in the story as the the protagonist um, and as a as a playable character, which is you know so vastly different from film or or reading or you know different kinds of media because you're actually in it and, and playing a role in it as opposed to being an observer so right i mean absolutely you know you when when near is slaughtering all those innocents uh you you really oh, understand we'll really get understand. into it <laughs> <laughs> we will get into it but actually i uh final fantasy 9 is one of the uh I don't want to say only because I, I I haven't played some of the earlier ones, but I've played a fair bit of Final Fantasy, and Nine is one of the ones that I haven't played. So I'll oh make sure God. to reach out once I once I do. But you know, I I love fourteen. I love seven. I'm currently playing uh, about to start Endwalker, so really excited about that. But what are you, what are you playing right now? Well, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption Two, and I, I think it's changed my life drastically. Mm. <laughs> like it's just it's just really connecting with me in a in a major way. Mm. I've been, I've been telling my partner, was like, I was like, oh, man, I didn't really know what falling in love was until I met you. Like, I thought I had fallen in love Aww. before, and then I met you, and now now I really know what it is. I feel a little bit like that with Red Dead Redemption 2. I mean, I just can't stop thinking about it. I feel like I'm in mm. love with it. So I've been playing, I think I've put like 90 hours into it like wow. in, since the start of the year, and I'm dreading it ending already. Yeah, it's just, it's, and I don't even think, I think I'm like two-thirds of the way, but... Wow. Yeah, so I've been playing the hell out of that. I, I was playing Justice League at Cosmic Chaos for mm. review for the Gaming Outsider, but I hit a game-breaking bug, which I haven't hit one of those in oh, many no. years. Yeah, so so that had to stop. And then I'm uh, I'm also playing through Metroid Fusion because oh yes. Scott Scott Clark, my co-host of the Gaming Outsider, we're having like a we're having like a year of Metroid right now. Yes, well, Metroid Prime just got remastered. Right, that I kicked it off, and, and then they Prime. dropped Metroid Fusion the next month. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Nintendo's cooking something over there. I think. Absolutely. Where is Prime Four? Is my question. <laughs> Down in Texas, they're they're <laughs> making it slowly but surely. No, I'm excited to see what Retro does. But we are here to talk about Near Replicant today, Near Gestalt, if you will. What what do you call it? Because you play the original. I know. Yeah. So I I just use Near Replicant now. Ever since uh, it was handy when Automata came out, because when you say mm. Near, people usually default to thinking it's Automata. So now, yeah, I just try to say replicant, but in my in my brain, it's still near all capital letters. Yes, American box art, <laughs> blood yes. everywhere. <laughs> yes, no, I'm I'm particularly excited for this conversation because Automata is my favorite game of all time. Like I will never ever ever stop talking about that game, and I, I played yeah. it before. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I think everybody who follows me on Twitter knows that. Unfortunately. Um, but uh, I think that's quite all right. It's all over your Discord profile as well. Yeah, yeah you, it is. Yeah, my Discord you photo. Rep, you rep it. Yeah, my Discord photo right now is a two. So, so yes. yeah. My, I mean, mine is. Uh, you know, I commissioned an artist to to draw me as near. So yes, I yes, I understand. There you go. Same brain. Yeah. Um, but I I played Replicant after I played Automata, and kind of very similarly to Automata, I I haven't really stopped thinking about the story and 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 the story that it tells. Um. 
and I, I have really found that with, you know, the only two Yogotaro games that I've played, because I haven't played Dragon Guard, um, yeah, that's that, probably, that might be better for your sanity in the long yeah, run. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I like I'd love to play Dragon Guard three, but, you know, we'll we'll get there eventually one day. No doubt. But Replicant really doesn't over explain its story, like really doesn't seem to be a fan of exposition at all. And I remember when I was playing it and, and when I finished it, because I don't like to spoil myself, I did a lot of research and read a lot of lore to kind of put the puzzle pieces together because the, the game kind of gives you parts of the story in loading screens and then parts of the story you get in, in lore that you collect. So as someone who played the original game when it initially came out, could you help summarize the story of Near Replicant? I, I can try. You're right. The game does not <laughs> explain itself very well. And I think I do think think it's an intentional choice because i think you're you're meant to be as in the dark as near is about everything mm. you know when, when he's learning about souls separating from their bodies or, or whatever it really is like when, it, when you're there you're just like what mm -hmm. <laughs> you're as confused as he is mm -hmm. uh but i guess i guess the general thing yeah so so see so yeah at the end of dragon guard one had a joke ending where kaim and angelus uh, came over into modern day tokyo and then I guess Yoko Taro decided like that would be even funnier if we made an entire depressing universe out of that, wouldn't it? Uh, so that the dragon and, and the monster you're fighting at the end of Dragon One turn into salt. It sounds it sounds a little goofy when you say it all that. And then the when the salt makes uh, contact with humanity, you basically have to make a decision if you want to. You can align yourself with a god and turn into a monster, or you can let yourself die and turn into a pile of salt. Um, but this this led to a big war between humanity and the, and the monsters that the god was creating. And they came up with Project Gestalt, which separated the the soul from the body. And that's what the intro is, is like young Nier trying not to take the pact. Then they hard jump cut, what, 3,000 years later? Mm -hmm. And you're the same characters in a little, in a little hut. And then you basically, yeah, you go on a little adventure to try to heal your sister. But then in the background, there's all this stuff going on you don't know about, like the the Shadow Lord who, you know, is is key to keeping humanity together. And he's losing patience with Devil and Popola. And... My God, there is a lot going on in Nier, huh? There is a lot going on in Nier. You know, I guess the Shadow Lord loses patience, we believe, because we never really find out, and then kidnaps Yona to try to, to force her soul back into her body, even though, uh, you know, the, the replicants, which are clones of the original people, they, they've gained sentience, which is throwing the program into whack. And uh, yeah, he kidnaps Yona, and then you then, then Nier gets to, to be a very sad boy. This is very true. And, and talks very much more depressed. And then you, and then you have to like break into his house to steal your sister back. But the whole time, there's all the stuff going on with Devil and Popo in the background that you know in the, in the original release, you didn't get any information at all about what Devil and Popo are up to. And then mm. here in the Replicant remake, you get those uh, Route C scenes where you see a little mm -hmm. bit more of what they're up to. But basically, Nier just fucks up the planet because he wants his sister back and, and ruins all of the plan. It, it seemed like I don't think Devil and Popo necessarily we're going to figure it out anyway but near definitely made it so that there was no chance and it's it's what i find really interesting about the story to your point is that there's the story that we see which is you know we're the protagonist and we are going to save our sister but then in the background there's this whole like history of why we're even here why are we a replicant and and everything is caused to your point by this you know salt or, or white chlorination syndrome where humanity was doomed and i think that in itself is a really interesting thing to talk about of like if we were to meet our demise how would we survive that and so project gestalt was uh was set in place to separate body from soul human human bodies were were made into replicants or these like artificial 
bodies and souls were supposed to be supposed to be protected but they are actually you know what we come to learn as as gestalts are these like shades that we eventually fight and so we go through the game not knowing you know our goal being to go and save our sister not knowing that these monsters that we're fighting are actual human souls that have gone mad and like that in itself is just so interesting because what we learn is that replicants gain their own self-awareness which causes them then to reject their original human souls. And, and that's kind of what, what Yona has. Like that's called a relapse. It's what causes the black scrawl and the replicants, which looks like this kind of text on the skin. Yeah, yeah black scrawl is cool. I like it's a, it's a human genome. It's like the all the DNA mm-hmm. symbols when it when you translate it from the angel script that Yoko Taro made up or whatever. It's all like the C-A-T-G or whatever of DNA. It's just kind of a neat. A neat little touch. So good. But it is, you're right, it's it's great. The game tricks you into murdering children for 12 hours. It, 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 I mean, it tricks you into destroying humanity. Right. Basically. Yeah, and you, and you totally and you totally back in years play when it's happening, too, because you're like, yeah, I want my sister back. How dare that guy who looks just like me yeah. steal my sister? And like one of my favorite things about this game in particular, and I like as I was preparing for us to record, I was trying to think about other casts in games that I loved as much as this cast. I absolutely like the thing that made the game so enjoyable to me was the cast that you travel with. And just shout out to all of the voice actors that that voiced uh, the characters because they really brought everyone to life. Like we have Nier played by Ray Chase, also played by Zach Aguilar. We have Laura Bailey as Kaine. We have Liam O'Brien as Grimoire Vice. We have Julianne Taylor as Emile. The main cast is just to me the glue that held everything together. And it was so enjoyable even just walking from one place to another because they would bicker and you would go on side quests and you would hear even more bicker and it was yes. just it was just so enjoyable to to be to just be privy to their conversations and they're they're such vastly different characters too like Nier is one track minded on saving his sister Kaine is this like very aggressive character Vice should not work on paper like that character should <laughs> not work on paper and Liam O'Brien just crushed it bringing Vice to life and then Emil is this like really soft really wholesome character and just when you put all of them together like it shouldn't work and it does Right. I mean, it's just such a found family story. And but it, they really do feel like a family the way they bicker mm. and, and argue. And you're right. The side quests really like they do come they come to so much life on the side quests. It's uh, it's really remarkable. And I, and and as a fan of the original, I was a little bit worried actually with Replicant mm. because, you know, I came from uh, Papa Nier uh, and I was like, oh, is bro right. going to be able to is he going to be able to slot in here? And he actually is like a very I would say he's actually quite a different character in terms mm. of his tone, like on side quests, because Papa Nier, he'll he'll crack a joke more often i feel like than uh oh than brother near because because brother near when he's a kid is a little bit naive and mm-hmm. he just really wants to help everybody <laughs> he's he's very much like uh i think you know he's intentionally supposed to kind of be like link from uh, zelda just helpful but uh but then when he grows up he's just so beaten down by life and stuff and and so is papa near don't get me wrong he definitely gets more serious but he's still able to joke around a little bit more with them but in in replicant he's he's got a joke here or there but um he's definitely much more serious much more focused this is kind of an interesting contrast yeah i didn't realize that about papa near but as you were talking about that it reminded me of a side quest i I think it was a side quest i hope it's not a main quest um but anyway it, it was a quest about i think finding a lost knife for a butcher or something like that and 
Emil and Vice were were kind of talking about what if we got them him more knives or I, f- I forget exactly what the details are, but it was this like really silly conversation. They're just trying to make small talk as they're traversing the lands. And at the end of it, Nier just goes, guys, can we stop talking about this? This conversation is stupid. And it's like, oh, it's yeah. very funny the way that the line is delivered. It's fantastic. But I think it kind of proves your point of like a way, way, way more serious character. Yeah, no, that that is a funny one though. You're right. Or just there's a... Uh... A good example, if I, if I may contrast, is uh, there's one side quest where you're like tracking down the the cheating guy, mm. and mm-hmm. and brother and brother Nier's like, yeah, man, this thing just you know just kind of just kind of happens to, to guys that are oh, not good looking, yeah. or whatever. You remember I that? This one, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but it's in contrast because because Papa Nier had a wife, so he his response mm. is just, I hate cheaters. But but that's just like a small example of like how different they really are, and it's it's mm. just super. It's it's brilliant that Yokotaro and and his uh, writing partners were able to just just through dialogue alone right you don't have to like rewrite or redirect mm-hmm. any of the cutscenes or anything you just yeah it's just good stuff yeah because how how much did the rest of the characters change around near you know they honestly don't very much i mean mm, there's that's impressive yeah yeah they really yeah the way they way the way they were able to weave the differences is like super impressive mm. and i guess you just have to like it's probably going to be weird for a lot of people that Akane and Papa Nier are into each other with like a 30 mm. year age gap or whatever. Mm. But that's really the only major hang up. But, you know, I guess there are small differences with the cast. Like when uh, Kaine wakes up after that five year being mm-hmm. in stone and she looks at uh, Brother Nier and says, well, you grew up. That was a moment. Yeah, it certainly was. But in Gestalt or in the original, she's, uh, well, you look like shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So good. Such a kind thing to say, too. It is. I, I really, I really love that. So I feel like there's an ultimate version of this game. I, I was surprised when they remade it. They didn't just have a Gestalt replicant option or something so people could see both. But but I can acknowledge that the, the themes of the story, I think, do work better with a with a younger protagonist and mm. him losing himself and stuff. That was going to be my question. What do you think works better? Yeah, I think they, they both work in terms of overall. They both work well in their own ways. But yeah, they, they, I think the story and the themes work better with with the younger protagonist, you know, especially with just yeah, the way he like loses himself and who he is really in those five years mm. while he's relentlessly pursuing Yona, you know, and, and just uh, there's just some more believability in terms of him doing the, you know, side quests around town to earn money for Yona. I feel like a father would want to stick closer by the daughter, whereas you could see you could see this brother character, you know, he, pr- he probably views it as somewhat of a relief to go on these adventures because like, you know, for this these couple of hours or whatever, you don't have to worry about this caregiver role that was thrust upon you. Absolutely. Totally. Sorry, were you were you gonna say something something else earlier? I was just gonna back you up that that, that is one of the best casts in gaming ever. Just they're absolutely brilliant. I mean, there's such love between them. You know, like when you know one of my favorite moments of games when when Emil transforms and Nier just accepts him right away. Yeah. And then oh, and Kindy so just recognizing him by his voice and not even yeah. acknowledging the fact that he transformed, which is super yep. cool. Yeah. Oh, so good. You mentioned earlier, like one of the themes in the game is found family, but there's so many others as well. Like we could sit here dissecting the game for for hours and hours and hours. What are some of your favorite themes that the game explores? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly family, but I think well, what would really maybe fall in love with Nier the first time was just this idea of uh, the the old adage of a uh, one man's service is another man's freedom fighter. That you know, to to us, Nier is the hero, but to the shades, he is. He's he's a villain so bad that he'll he probably seems like a mythological figure to them, you mm-hmm. know. He's just so over the top murdering everybody they know and love. I mean the the you know the first shades you kill don't even they're not even hostile. Yeah. You know, you can just walk right past them if you wanted to, but 
uh, the game makes you kill them because that's what Nier would do. Yep. But I think that that's my favorite theme. What really drives it home for me is that at the at the end of the day, the Shadow Lord's motivations are a exact mirror of yours. You know, he wants the exact same thing, and he's willing to go the exact same lengths to do it. And there's just something. You know, it's always powerful when a game kind of tricks you into being the villain. But here, it, it, it doesn't feel like you're the villain, right? You're just mm-hmm. you're just the hero of a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's something beautiful in the writing of that where, you know, if you play the game as a Shadow Lord, you would absolutely see Nier and his gang as just these just mercenary band of bad people. Absolutely, you would. And uh, I also, just the theme of love, like, I, I just think that... Mm-hmm. Uh, Without having to have really kind of near like flirt a lot, you can tell that those two characters are absolutely in love. And the way that you know we'll talk about ending e more, I'm sure, but the way Kaide, oh, yeah. you know, even even with like this magical spell to erase him from existence, like she's held on to him so much that she still remembers who he is vaguely and fights to get him back. And then the, you know, the little message at the end of the game about you know you kind of gotta you kind of gotta make your world the best it is, mm. no matter how bad the actual world is around you. Absolutely. And I think one theme that you're touching upon both with Nier and with Kaine is the the power of just will, of just yeah. you, you want something so badly that you would go to whatever length you need to go to in order to to make it a reality for yourself. So for Nier, that being, you know, saving his sister and for Kaine, it becomes bringing Nier back because to your point, like in ending D and it's really cool how they did this. You know, you, you choose to sacrifice yourself and, and your entire existence for Kaine and you're forgotten and all of your data is deleted as well off of your save file, which like that is really cool. And it does it in a way where it's like, it goes into every menu and just everything disappears. Right. So good. It's painful. So you know, line pain. by line. Oh, pain. Cause it's like, if you got any upgrades and had to spend any time in the junk heap to, to upgrade anything, like it's, that is true pain. <laughs> I hadn't yeah. known pain up until that point, but um, <laughs> <Right. laughs> I like, I'm, I'm really curious how the first person who, who got to ending E found ending E because you need to restart the game from the beginning you need to get to the area you need to fight hook to even unlock the beginning of the path to ending e and and ending e starts off as like in this nearless world you you play as kaine which in itself is really cool um three years after the events of the rest of the game and you know eventually you uh you go back to the forest of myth as kaine and you go into the divine tree and the only thing at this point that we know about this tree is that it records everything about the world but then you go in and you're like what in the world is going on in here right it gets it gets real sci-fi real fast oh yeah how because ending e was added in replicant you never played that because it obviously wasn't available in, in any prior version of the game so what what are your thoughts on on ending e well yeah. there's a lot so, to unpack <laughs> there there's there's a lot to, to go into this answer oh if i may ask you a question real quick yeah. So on so on Route B, you hear more things from Kaine and Tiran's mm. perspective. Mm-hmm. Do you think do you think you should have been playing as Kaine for Route B? Yes. I thought that we were going to play as Kaine for Route B because when when we finished Route A, it said, and now you'll hear now you'll experience more of Kaine's perspective. And and that's how Route B starts. And I was so excited because I was like, oh sick, we're gonna play as Kaine. And you don't play as Kaine. And I really, really wish that we could have played as Kaine because we like I feel like that would have just given us so much more context on 
on on her. Yeah, I asked because in the original release, I you know because you learned so much about Kanye and Tyrion and stuff like that in that playthrough that I always just assumed it was a budgetary restriction in the original mm. release, and it probably was for that mm-hmm. one. But then. You know, on the replicant, I was like, I really feel like you should be playing as Kanye right now. Mm. But then, would it be untrue as a remake if they upgraded that part? Because it's such a significant thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but then at the end of the day, you're right. Ending, you get to play as Kanye. I remember, I was like, I was like shaking almost, like I was so in in disbelief because I mean, what has it been? You know, twelve twelve years, I guess, since the original release came out, and I'd played the that version so many times i was like oh my god and here i am finally playing as kind like it was so surreal hell yeah and and she plays so fun she's she's so fun to play as it kind of does make you mad that you can't play as her more a thousand percent and ending it was really short too and i was like no this is such right. a waste of great combat it's like two hours but she's zipping around the battlefield it's so, so fun good dude oh my god yeah, so good. But then, uh, but as for ending E, like it was, um, you know, fans had trans kind of translated part of it before because it was included in the grimoire near uh, behind the scenes book. But uh, but th- they have a summary of ending E in there. But it's like this weird cobbled together summary from somebody on a Chinese forum, like listing out the things that happened in the story. So it was always it was always just this weird ephemeral idea that Yoko Taro had and and it doesn't feel real real when it's in you know like a making of book the same way it does when you're playing it. So being able to play through it was, uh, yeah, I guess I hate to use the word surreal again, but it just it just was like it was such a weird revelatory moment after all these years. And then the the brilliance to kind of tie it into Automata a little bit with the the overseer characters and and bringing back the voice actors for 9S and TV. Oh, and- so good. When the second they started talking, I was like, that's Kira Buckland and Kyle McCarley. Right. What a like, what a masterstroke yes. decision. Oh, so good. The administrators uh, yeah but yeah but ending e is just so powerful yeah you're it, just the way it ties things together and emil showing up with his extra arms for no reason the best <laughs> the best yeah just it's and you're fighting all those clone kinase and shit it's just it's pretty it's pretty special absolutely because like i feel like i feel like three big things happen in in this and and maybe you would disagree and there's more but the first one is like you you start off on on the journey into the tree as like the subconscious desperation to remember near right i don't know maybe that's maybe that's me adding meaning where there isn't meaning no i think that's i think it's definitely true you know whether you're helping out that postal worker i guess right to, yeah, to go yeah. to the tree technically yeah. but no i think you're totally right it is definitely a some kind of subconscious draw because she's dreaming about this person that mm-hmm. shouldn't exist at all yeah absolutely so so there's that there's emil coming back which obviously is is huge and is eventually a tie-in into automata and then the third one is is kind of this storyline of the administrators who again greatly resembled to be in 9s and they say show us your potential and the only thing that we know about the tree at this point is that it's collecting data about the world and so we can only assume that these two are collecting combat data and they say and i'm reading this quote directly from the game you are strong we've taken the liberty of sampling that strength and we've reproduced you at the point in which you were strongest. And that's where you fight them and Emil eventually shows up to help you fight them. But I, I think the tie into Automata there is that eventually Kaine's combat data was used to create androids. Yeah, there's there's a lot of implications that Kaine, yeah, through combat data and through some of the, the memories that the tree absorbs or whatever, like went into A2. Because mm-hmm. uh, because there's some kind of, there was some short story or something with A2 where she has memories of a grandma she never met. Yeah, that's right. So us rabid fans are like, oh, is, is that Kaine's grandma? Yep. That she's not remembering? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. But I but I think you're right. Yeah, I think because they because they do. They just look like 
the, the nine and uh, two models. Like, of course, they've got, there's got to be some connection. And it resembles the tower as well. Which not to, right. not to get into automata too much. I mean, you'll have to come back and we'll talk about automata. But that like that, I stepped into that and I was like, oh my god, this is the tower. Dude, when the when the the heads up display changed, that was quite a moment. So good. So oh, and you know what's kind of interesting, right? Is because so you're you're a big automata fan coming to replicant. Mm-hmm. So you saw the tower and you and you freaked out. Mm-hmm. Probably the same way as when I played automata was climbing the tower and you go into the library. The library, yeah. Yes. Oh was, man, yeah. What was that like for you? Because I, I mean, I also had a moment because I was like, I started playing replicant. I was like, oh my god, this is the library in the tower. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. What an interesting, what an interesting perspective change. Depending on what you played first. Um, no, but for me, it was. Uh, I always say there's like a, a game journalist cliche where the, there's like when they're talking about re- in reviews, they'll be like, I had to set my controller down. It was such a powerful moment, and I finally lived that cliche when I got to the library in Automata because I just like couldn't process seeing it again. Especially because Automata, you know, definitely has ties to replicate but it's not it's certainly not a direct sequel you know so it was just seeing any kind of tie was crazy i mean i, knew, I figured emil was going to be in it because he's immortal or whatever but uh but seeing the library yeah it was a real it was a real i had to like set the controller down because i couldn't really process moment and it's so late in the game in automata as well that it's it's like you're you're probably not expecting it at all if it was earlier in the game maybe but by that point you're like basically at the end of automata Right, and there's and there's so much momentum of 9S and A2 chasing each other up the tower, and, and so it's just like yeah, really just smacks you in the face if you're if you're a fan of the original. I mean, I also had to put the controller down moment when I got into the library in Replicant, where I was like, holy really? shit, yeah, yeah, because I, mean, I was like, oh my god, that's that's the same library. This is where it's from. It's fascinating that like. Yeah, for you, I guess ending E must have really been quite powerful seeing all these automatized again. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and Copied City, I've always been so fascinated by the Copied City as well. Or, or you know, I was in, in Route A and Automata because I was like, what is this place? And eventually you get to the tower and you get to learn a little bit more. But I just had this great fascination with it that kind of stayed with me even after you go into the tower and you climb the tower. And so then playing you know a very similar environment in replicant i was like oh my god this is amazing it's it's such a striking visual aesthetic as well oh yeah yeah absolutely so cool sticks with you absolutely it does yeah what do you think is the symbolism at the end of ending e when you're forced to fight a recreated version of hook and now you have vice too which that was really cool the the hook boss fight yeah of course yeah it was big it's big for Kine, but seeing vice again is great even if it i don't know i don't know if it makes sense you know but i guess we don't know enough about how magic works in this world so whatever i, I will take vice even if it doesn't make sense and the way he just like <laughs> gives her so much shit is like are you in your cups again uh, is is delightful but but for me the hook boss fight is uh yeah it's it's great and it was it's the moment when i started crying because she mm. the way she screams out at near in in such a beautifully kind way of like mm. like how like how fucking dare you make this decision for me i you know i swore to be your sword i'm going to be and, yeah. and she's just she refuses to accept fate i guess and it's just oh it's just so it's so powerful laura bailey's delivery obviously is just unmatched and yeah it's it's great no i just got chills i mean the writing there was really good and i totally agree i mean laura bailey is kine and kine is just kine is such a fantastic character and then when you put kine and vice together just magic happens yes absolutely 100 i i love them yeah that's i have i have two signatures on my copy of near it's laura bailey and liam o'brien oh i'm so jealous yeah oh i'm so jealous <laughs> oh my god it's, oh. Uh, laura, bailey. Awesome. laura bailey was great yeah 
she's a that is awesome. I, I was I was I was like somewhat surprised she came back because like she's such a big name mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I was like, is, I was like, is Nier gonna be too little too little for her? Are they just not gonna pay out the money that we need? So was, I was very happy to see her return because you're right, she she is kind of you could accept no substitute. No, absolutely not. I mean, it was it was brutal losing Jameson Price as Nier because he's so great as Papa Nier. But there are some really good. I mean, I haven't played the original, but there are some really good lines that came out <laughs> of that. So, oh, dude, and yeah, I mean, so some she... really funny ones as well. But that's, I mean, that's more voice direction. Cla- classic. Uh, I think you need a doctor. I'm just a big guy who hits things. <laughs> so good but the delivery on you and i are friends now was just very just comical to me <laughs> but i i think i think that that's more direction than it is anything I, I mean i don't think there's any saving that scene when it's a 43 year old man no you know it's no, just a I weird agree. it's a strange thing for an adult to say to a so teenage girl so yeah yeah agreed but there's also though when you first meet vice and this is in the original game and in vice is I, I you know he's he's giving his history and who he is and uh well a, a little bit of it and papa Nier just goes what and just i i have a clip of that that i just send to people when i don't understand something i'm just like what <laughs> it's he's so, so good. good i, I just, like papa Nier is like he's written to be dumb he's just He's not a smart guy, and I love it. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize that because I, I haven't played the game. I've just like seen clips. I guess that's just how I like. I just take it as he's kind of a brute, you know. Whereas, and I don't think Brother Near is super inquisitive compared to a lot of uh, characters, but but uh, Papa Near is very direct. So I guess maybe not dumb. He's just he just doesn't care. He doesn't care how the magic book is talking. He's just, can you help me get my daughter? Yeah, but again, that's like the single mindedness as well. And I agree. Like I don't think that Near is is an inquisitive character at all because if he was, maybe maybe I don't. I don't want to speculate too much, but maybe he would have realized what he was doing. Maybe. If if he was inquisitive, the airy wouldn't have happened the way it did. You know, you would see, he would see a shade pop out of a human. That is true, yeah. Where they, where they were getting along and he would just, you know. <laughs> most characters would like be like, oh, man, what the hell's going on here? But Nier's just like, all right, I guess I'll kill him. Yeah. yeah. No, it's 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 true. And it's like as you're as you're playing and once you realize kind of what you're doing, because the game forces you to replay it, it's you kind of sit there and you're like, Okay, cool. So so we have this concept of like Project Gestalt, you know, humanity faced with its demise, like we decide to split our bodies from our souls in order to survive. And like eventually after, you know, we we were able to solve the white chlorination syndrome problem, we were going to return the the souls to the bodies. And then, you know, we we, we play this protagonist. I don't even know now if I, I want to call near a protagonist and, and we kill humanity. We kill human souls. And you realize like on your second playthrough, you're kind of like, oh, wait. I, I have this information now. You're playing Route right. B. You're like, wait, I like I've read the Gestalt papers. Like I know what I'm doing now, or at least bits and pieces of it. And I remember playing it being like, whoa, this is a different perspective now, replaying it the second time around. Yeah, I mean, under, understanding the shades in Route B really changes everything, mm-hmm. and and the added cutscenes, of course. But uh, but all you know, but also every situation is presented where you're like, you know, if I if I was near, you know, would you would probably still do it anyway, you know, to say, to say the person you love most in the world, even if, you know, you, like you see the other side of the wolves, right? Like for, for facade, for example, uh, in route B and, and you see that they do, they're just in retaliating, but they still murdered a girl on her wedding day. Yeah. You know, so, so it is just like, it's just such an expertly told story because every situation you can see every character, how every character can see themselves as the hero of the, of the situation. Yeah. I, I like, I think that's the brilliance of it. I agree. Like, I mean, even, you know, Kine, Kine can understand the shades and she's still murdering them all, but you still understand why she's doing it. And that's, that takes some unbelievable 
writing chops. Agreed. Do you think that we could have done without route C? Because playing through route A, you're 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 playing through it, you're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what these monsters are. I don't know what the shades are. Playing through route B, you have the information. You're like, now I know that shades are human souls. And then route C, like the only additional context that we really got was a couple of cutscenes of Devil and Popola, but you're still reforced to kind of play through the entire thing. How, how did you feel about that? Do you think that we needed it? Yeah, I can't. I can't describe how brutal Route C was in the original release when you didn't have anything extra to look oh, forward to. Oh, no. And it was just collect. Was it was it kind of the same mechanic if you have to collect all the weapons to unlock the last two endings? Yep. Absolutely. ending D. Yeah. But but it was really just like there was nothing new. Uh, but oh, for no. Replicant, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I think you're probably right overall. But, you know, the fan the fanboy in me is like, oh, but seeing those extra C's do and Popo were, were so worth it. And by this time, I've probably done all those dungeons, you know, a thousand times for replaying the, the original release. But I think overall, you're right. Like you could have done those Devil and Popo scenes in Route B. Uh, you, you didn't need to do all over. You could you could have just started Route C from you know, the Shadow Lord Castle or whatever, so people can make that decision about Kaine because Rossi doesn't add a lot overall, which which I guess hurts to say out loud, but you know, the, the, those <laughs> Devil of Pulpo scenes were... Some much needed context that was missing from the original release because because you don't you don't really grasp what the relationship is with the Shadow Lord in the original release because because they show up at the end and try to stop you but without those scenes you don't know that they were you know they were planning to try to use the was it Luis the the mermaid character as a potential mm-hmm. backup to to fight against them and just the, their heartbreak about the situation they're in with Nier and they're trying to like keep them distracted and stuff and and in the original game I thought they were working with the Shadow Lord. After the time jump, but in in this re-release, it sounds like they they needed to try to find a way into the castle almost as much as you did. I just I do wish in Route C we got just a little bit more. You know what? I I wish we got a lot more context and a lot more visibility into the conversations between Devil and Popola because we really only got a couple of cutscenes. Yes, I would I would I would take an entire book that was just Devil and Popola's perspective of the story. You know you know Route C. Do you know what might have saved it if you could play as Kaine? Maybe maybe yeah. that could have been the new thing. Yeah. You know, route a, Route A is the you know the the normal story. Route B, you learn that you're a monster as an ear, and then Route C, they let you play as Kaine. That that, would, that might have saved it, but you're right. I think overall, probably not necessary. Especially if you come from Replicate, it must be just devastating because Route C was basically a sequel to itself with Near Automata, and then in this game, it's just the same thing again. Oh my god, yeah. You're 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 definitely gonna have to come back to talk about Automata because I like I remember playing it and being like, oh, this is really cool. In Route B, we get to play as 9S and you get 9S's perspective, and I was like, I don't know what to expect in Route C because I don't think that we'll play as a two. For some reason, I was like, I just I don't think that that's what's going to happen and then you start route c and you're you're playing as both 2b and 9s and and i just i love the sequence when you say goodbye to the commander and you get you get a title card and i'm like oh my god is this the real game starting now was that all just like a, a prequel to to the real game was so good so good yeah it feels like and, and here here i thought i was just gonna have to play through the whole game as 9s again to get yeah, yeah. ending selection <laughs> no i'm so glad that that didn't <laughs> oh yeah, that would have been that would have been infuriating to do that twice. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. what they did was absolutely brilliant. Of course, yeah. I would. I would absolutely. So I think one of your past guests already tried to claim Automata, but you know, I'll I'll come back and talk about it too. No. So every every about tenth episode is going to be Automata. So you're you're gonna have to come back for one of them. <laughs> d- d- deal. Because I I truly I can talk about that game for hours and hours and hours and hours. Well, yeah, it would be it would be nice. Uh, I could bring the perspective of it. You know, I actually played the first game first. Yeah, absolutely. Which not a lot of people have, I feel. Well, ma- many, many have, I suppose. 
I don't want to sound like a hipster, but yeah, I feel like I feel like that's not a too <laughs> common perspective. Because I think the first game only sold like four hundred thousand copies overall. That's pretty crazy compared to Automata seven million. Yup. Uh, we're actually coming up on time. So, and I don't know if you can hear in the background, but it just started pouring rain where I am. Well, it, I don't hear it, but Perfect. a heavy downpour is just, it's a dreary atmosphere you want for a near conversation. That is very true. Last question. What makes near replicants so special? I think it, the end of the day more than anything i think it is the cast of characters you know it's just the bond that near kaine emil and vice have just makes them one of the best parties you know in a jap in a japanese role-playing game ever uh and it's just just such powerful storytelling and yeah you know i love as i've discussed ad nauseum just the way that uh, everybody is a hero and uh it's just replicant replicant is special it's beautiful it's absolutely you can farm how great is that you know you can grow you can grow flowers for your sister that is very sweet isn't that special yeah what what makes a near replicant special for you i think i have to agree with you i think it's the cast that's what kept me playing that's what that is the one thing i, I mean I, I was obviously very interested in the story and the loading screens give you a little bit of context into kind of what's happening outside of your perspective in the game and yeah that was a driver for me to keep playing but i think the bigger thing for me was the cast it was just being privy to those conversations and and it was really special just just getting to be around them you know i loved kaine's bickering with vice i loved seeing the little bits and pieces of emil and kaine's relationship and how kaine acts so differently towards emil than towards anyone else it's it's so heartwarming oh my gosh yeah it's that campfire scene oh, like after you yes. uh, unfreeze or whatever and He's talking about like pouring water on her to try to yeah. heal her and stuff. Yeah. That wasn't in the original game either. No way. Yeah. That, that was, oh, that's one that's of my favorite scenes in the game now. It is. It's a beautiful scene. So yeah, I think it's got to be cast for me. And yeah. and again, the voice actors that bring them to life. So good. I mean, just, yeah, the, the way they're big. Especially, yeah, Kanye and Vice. It's one of the great duos in gaming history. Could not agree more. They're so good. Um. Zach, thank you so much for being here. I want to give you some space to plug absolutely anything that you want. And I want to plug your podcast for you, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, of course. Again, to, to anyone and everyone listening, please, please check out The Gaming Outsider. It is incredible. And just you just get, again, like I, I feel like I've been talking about being privy to, to conversations now for the last few minutes. And I'll just repeat that for the gaming outsider. It's it's like you're privy to a conversation between good friends and it's 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 just really nice. And you feel like you're a part of the conversation as well. So highly, highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the gaming outsider. If you like Emil, our host Scott has the same golden retriever energy that Emil does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll appreciate that. But um <laughs> and and Alyssa has yeah, yeah, she's not any of them. She's too she's too nice to be in the world of Nier. Is Alyssa played near? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely, right? It'd be crazy if she didn't. She had to have. Yeah, I think. CB certainly hasn't. But uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> Scott, Scott only played it out of obligation to our friendship. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> Yeah, which which is which is fair enough, uh, but I but I also used to have a podcast called Smirk, just called Smirk. Hmm. Uh, the the logo is a is a hastily drawn uh, smirking smiley face. It was a storytelling podcast I did with Aaron Peterson and Amanda Sink from The Hollywood Outsider, and it was every week we would write a short story, and it would lead to a moral or theme that was in our talking point for the episode. Hmm. And I'm really proud of that podcast. We did we did a hundred episodes. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a huge hit, but but so far everyone that listened to it seems to really love it. 
like it's the only time I, I when I went to Rockford, Illinois, uh, which is which is where uh, the, ha- the Hollywood Outsiders base out of. I saw a bumper sticker with the Smirk. No logo, way. So, oh, that's yeah. so cool. That is so cool. It was super cool. So so it seems like when people listen to it, they love it. But it, it was just a it was a very unique episode. And we had a fun game you could play while you're listening where you had to guess whether the story we just read was based on truth or fiction. And it's just it's a, it's a podcast that I'm really thrilled about and so if yeah if you guys want to check some out something a little bit different it's a it's a good i think it's a good show but of course the oh, gaming yeah. outsider is also great obviously no i'm gonna i'm gonna have to check out smirk as well <laughs> i hope you listen to it yeah i hope you i hope you like yeah it. something new to listen to absolutely zach thank you so much i i will be bothering you to come back to talk about automata uh at some point in time <laughs> if you'd like you're always welcome i'll come back for new year i'll come back for something else so yeah i would i would love to come back yeah if you when you play final fantasy 9 I'll, I'll definitely yes i got a lot of thoughts about that game too yeah i got I, I i do need to play nine i'm embarrassed to say i haven't played nine yet i think i i mean I, it's my favorite so i guess i'm biased but i just think it's such a it's such an easy game to get into just the, the way the leveling system and ability system works it's just it's easy to get into the rhythm of final fantasy 9 very quickly and then you know the, the cast of characters is Quinna aside, pretty brilliant. I gotta get into it. One day. It, it'll happen. It'll happen. I'm sure it will. Yeah, there's there's no way you can put a thousand hours of Final Fantasy fourteen and not want to play the other ones. Oh, you know what? Hey, uh, while, while I have you, did you play the Nier Raid? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so this is funny because <laughs> <laughs> the so the entire time, like I've been telling g- guilds in the game are called free companies. So the entire time I've been telling my free company, I'm like, Guys, my end game is just getting to the near rates and getting the two B outfit. Like that's that I, is my end game. Uh-huh. I I bought I bought Final Fantasy 14 just because one day I'm gonna play that near raid. Absolutely. And yeah. and the thing is, is you need to finish Shadowbringers, which is the fourth expansion before you can oh lock God. the near raids. And Shadowbringers is really good. Like it is wow, so okay. good. The story is just incredible. And I, I speed ran the shit out of Shadowbringers because I loved it. And, and I finished it. And it's like, you're sitting there in amazement from this incredible story. And then it hit me. I was like, oh my God, I can go play the near raids. And uh, I zipped through those. And someone in my free company was like, wow, way to wait for me. Because we played Shadowbringers <laughs> basically, basically kind of on a similar timeline. And I was like, I'm so sorry, dude. Like, I, I just, I had to play the near raids. Your, your brain fogged over. You saw near and you just had to yeah, go for it. A thousand percent. Yeah, because it, it looks like there's like some real Drakengard ties, which is super oh, cool. Oh, it's, it's, oh, they're so good. They're so, the raids are incredible. And they're, they're like pretty difficult too. They're very fun. Only, only Yokotaro would be crazy enough to have canon near content in a Final Fantasy raid. Yep. And they're great. <laughs> I had to check them out for sure. It, it takes a bit to get there, but they're worth it. They're very good. I believe, I believe it. Zach, thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you again, hopefully soon. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Thoughts, things we missed, any game requests for future episodes? Let us know down below if you're on YouTube. And as always, our socials will be in the description if you'd like to follow us. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.